And a very good evening to you. Welcome to the Catholic View on this Wednesday. I'm Sheila Pirsch. Thank you so much for joining me. Coming up in today's edition of Catholic View, we'll take a look at Donald Trump's election, a defining moment in global history. But for now, though, do stay with me as I'm about to bring you up to date with some of the stories that made headlines in Africa and beyond. Hi, I'm Archbishop Peter Wells, Apostolic Nuncio. Thank you for listening to Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. In your headlines this Wednesday evening, a look at Pope Francis' Wednesday general audience. Peacekeepers and gold miners killed in both Central and West Africa. And world leaders react to U.S. election results. Good evening once again. I'm Sheila Pirish. Continuing his series of Wednesday general audiences on the works of mercy, Pope Francis devoted his November 9th catechesis to healing the sick and visiting the imprisoned. Recalling the many readings in the scriptures that tell of how, during his life, Jesus incessantly reached out to the other, Pope Francis said... He is our model as we consider the corporal works of mercy that call on us to visit the sick and the imprisoned. Sick persons, he said, often feel very alone, and something as simple as a smile, the warm touch of a hand, and a little company can prove to be excellent medicine. And he praised those who visit the sick in hospitals, saying their contribution is of inestimable value. The Pope pointed out that we can all be instruments of God's mercy with a gesture, a word, or a simple visit, which he said have the power to give back joy and dignity to he or she whose joy and dignity have been taken away. At the conclusion of his general audience, Pope Francis reminded the crowd gathered in St. Peter's Square that November 9th is the feast of the dedication of Rome's cathedral, the Lateran Basilica, and requested for prayers. World leaders all over the world are reacting as Donald Trump has become the 45th president-elect of the United States. Some are congratulating him, while others are in shock. Stefan Bolz has more from Europe. Citizens in Russia and former Soviet satellite states have been watching the U.S. elections with mixed feelings. Russian state-run media did little to hide their preference for him, but the mood was different in the Baltics and other countries bordering Russia. They recall that Trump explicitly raised new questions about his commitment to automatically defend member states of NATO if they are attacked, saying he would first look at their contributions to the military alliance. The United States created the 28-nation alliance and Article 5 of the NATO treaty requires any member to come to the aid of another that NATO declares was attacked. That commitment has long been considered a central element of deterring attacks in Europe, especially against smaller and weaker nations like Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania, 
which joined after the breakup of the Soviet Union. They fear this will change if Trump becomes president, at a time when Russia is showing military strength with the annexation of Ukraine's Crimean Peninsula and in other neighboring countries. Elsewhere, in the Balkans, a Trump presidency would come as a setback for at least some citizens in Kosovo, which erected a larger-than-life statue of a beaming President Bill Clinton, his arm outstretched in welcome, and named a street after him. Just meters from the statue, a women's clothes shop has been called after his wife and presidential hopeful Hillary. Yet a Trump presidency was expected to be welcomed by Hungary's anti-migrant Prime Minister Viktor Orban. He said Trump's anti-terror proposals make him the better option for Europe and for Hungary. Orban, who has ordered border fences built to stop migrants fleeing war and poverty, said recently that the ideas of the upstanding American presidential candidate about the need for the best intelligence services and his opposition to democracy export were also applicable in Europe. His presidency was also expected to be welcomed by at least some people in Slovenia. Trump's wife, a former photo model, was born there in 1970. However, when a reporter visited the town where she grew up, Melania Knafs did not stand out from the collective consciousness of the time as someone who would rise to global fame when Slovenia was still part of what was Yugoslavia. In the words of one woman, in the socialist days, we were all the same. Amongst world leaders reacting to Donald Trump's election is the Vatican Secretary of State, Cardinal Pietro Parolin, who said he hoped the newly elected American President Donald Trump would be guided by God to serve his country, but also to promote peace and well-being in the world. Meanwhile, Russian President Vladimir Putin and a member of BRICS was one of the first global leaders to congratulate Trump with the victory, expressing hope that the two countries will continue collaborative work on international issues. South African President Jacob Zuma, also a BRICS member, congratulated Donald Trump for winning the U.S. presidential elections. Before his supporters in New York, President-elect Trump promised to unify the nation. To all Republicans and Democrats and independents across this nation, I say it is time for us to come together as one united people. I pledge to every citizen of our land that I will be president for all Americans. On to African news, explosives experts have been dispatched to the scene of an attack on Tuesday which left one girl dead and 32 UN peacekeepers injured in the town of Goma in the Democratic Republic of the Congo DRC. According to news reports, the peacekeepers all from India were attacked as they were exercising. Five of the troops from the UN mission MONUSCO were seriously wounded. Here is UN spokesperson Stefan Dujahik. According to preliminary reports, the explosion was caused by an improvised explosive device. All injured peacekeepers, in addition to Congolese civilians, are receiving medical treatment in Goma. A MONUSCO quick reaction force was immediately dispatched to the scene. MONUSCO has, been, has also deployed an investigation team, which includes explosives experts. 
In West Africa, Nigerian officials said gunmen have killed 36 gold miners in northwest Zamfara state. Lydia O'Kane reports. Police said the attackers overran a mining camp in the Maru district of Zamfara state. It is the latest in a series of similar raids in the region. The gunmen's motive is unclear. The governor of Zamfara state called the attack an act of terrorism. Hundreds of people have been killed in villages in the area over the past three years. In other news, the Vatican is hosting an anti-trafficking conference this week, which brings together members of religious congregations working to end the scourge of human trafficking and to rescue victims. The event is hosted by Renate, Religious in Europe Networking Against Trafficking. Attending the summit is philanthropist John Studzinski, the chair of trustees and co-founder of the UK-based Arise Foundation, which supports grassroots in initiatives against human trafficking. About a year ago, Luke de Pulford, my collaborator, and I set up the Arise Foundation, really aimed at trying to provide funding for grassroots solutions, particularly focused on prevention of trafficking in a number of countries around the world. Our focus, of course, is on prevention and it's on grassroots solutions. And how have you been able to contribute to the discussions at the conference this week? probably one of the only business people here who has a background on Wall Street, but one of the methods that I'm very focusing on is communication and best practices. And clearly, the strength of dealing with trafficking, not just in Europe, but around the world, is in creating networks of collaborators, networks of information, networks of best practices that can actually be put to use with respect to prevention, rescuing, as well as helping manage how the survivors are transitioned back into regular daily lives. And finally, the Shepherds on the Green, an initiative by the Veritas Warriors, composed of a group of Catholic men who have volunteered their time to help Radio Veritas reach out to and evangelize men, is busy finalizing the Catholic Priest Fun Day to take place on November 28th in Benoni's Country Club. Here is Dr. Kaba, one of the Warriors. At the moment, we are sitting at 150 of tickets which are sold. We still have like another 100 to sell. I'd like to urge on the Sovietians, the parishioners, uh, to come forward. Please, let's make this happen. We only 50 to go. If we can get those 50 tickets sold, that day will never be forgotten day in the history of our priests. And then it will be the day which will be like remembered in 100 years to come to say at least the people of South Africa, the South Africans, Catholics, they have appreciated their priests in this way. And it started in 2016 by only six uh, gentlemen. This is going to stay for years to come. And then this is going to be sustainable for a very, very long time until, until everyone comes on board. And those were your headlines for this Wednesday evening. Thank you once again for joining me this evening. I'm Sheila Pirsch and this is Catholic View. Coming up next, we're talking about Donald Trump's election, a defining moment in global history.
Donald Trump has become the 45th president-elect of the United States. Now, joining me online to talk about this election is Mike Pothier, a research coordinator at the Southern African Catholic Bishops' Conference Parliamentary Liaison Office. What's your reaction to Trump's election? Well, Sheila, I think um, stunned and, and surprised in a way. Uh, so few people thought that you know, he was going to make it right through to the end there, and um, all the opinion polls seem to suggest that, yes, it might be close, but that ultimately uh, Hillary Clinton would, would win. So, uh, yeah, very much taken aback. It's different, difficult to understand what exactly the factors were that um, allowed him to win. Speaking of that, lots of people are talking about uncertainty. How do you see this impacting on South African politics? I'm not sure that there's going to be any very noticeable impact um, for South Africa and maybe even you know, for Africa as a whole um, in the short term. To be honest, I don't think that Africa figures uh, in Donald Trump's um, you know, <laughs> mind or in his, in his political approach at all. Uh, he, he's very much focused on domestic American questions. Um, yeah, he has. A, when, if he looks internationally, he's looking at Russia, he's looking at China, places like that. I mean, one could be a little bit flippant and say, does does Mr. Trump even know that that Africa exists, and uh, is he interested in um, the U.S.'s relationship with Africa? I I don't know, but I do think that you know at a, a wider international economic level there could be consequences um the instability in the markets and the nervousness in the world's financial markets always seems to have a negative effect on us uh, in the developing world um i don't fully understand why that should be it's not our fault that mr trump is the president of the u.s but we'll have to see how things play out i mean the, the initial reaction here in south africa has been that um, the rand weakened a little bit, then it, it regained some of its strength. And our stock market, um, unlike many of the markets around the world, um, at least, you know, sort of halfway through the day, uh, was in positive territory. So well, it's uh, a question of waiting and seeing how it affects us. And of course, America has, uh, you know, when it comes to international relations, they, they've always been driven by the principle of promoting democracy in the world. Now, do you think that this will change? America claims that it's been driven by that principle of promoting democracy. I think that we have to take that claim with a little bit of salt. Um, you know, over the years, America has also supported a large number of dictatorships here in Africa, uh, in Latin America. Um, perhaps even in, in parts of Asia. So, yes, they, they, they do make a claim about that. Um, is there going to be much of a difference? Well, I think we have to ask ourselves, what did uh, President Obama do for Africa in his eight years as president of the U.S.? When he was elected, a lot of people thought, well, now at last Africa is going to receive some really serious attention from uh, the United States government. Well, it didn't, in fact. Um, Mr. Obama visited the continent a couple of times, you know, he visited his uh, ancestral uh, birthplace in Kenya, etc. But I think most African commentators and, and a lot of American commentators will say that that is one of the disappointments of Mr. Obama's uh, tenure as U.S. President, that he really, by and large, ignored Africa. So 
I think it's you know, probably not going to get much worse under Mr. Trump. Um, have, having said that, um, trade is, is an important question. Mr. Trump appears to be a protectionist when it comes to trade questions. He doesn't seem to like free trade. Um, you know, is he going to start uh, you know, putting tariffs on African exports into the U.S.? Well, we don't know. Um, a lot of his more uh, wild uh, campaign promises also, um, you know, I think he simply is not going to be able to put into practice. He has to make the transition now from a, a, a loud, populist kind of rabble-rousing politician to a president, and um, he's going to find it much more difficult to uh, follow through on a lot of those promises than, than he perhaps thinks. Speaking of Trump's uh, campaigning speeches, he has also been talking a lot about making America great again. Like you said, he's focusing mainly on domestic affairs. Now, looking at that, as well as the, the fact of rebuilding the infrastructure of America, what do you think this says when it comes to America's support for countering democratic measures around the world, for example, looking at Section 9 institutions, for example, do you think America will still be supporting this? It's hard to say. Um, you know, as we've said, if his focus is going to be very, very um, strongly on America itself, then that suggests that he's not going to pay too much attention to the rest of the world. I don't know what he means when he talks about making America great again, because that slogan presupposes that somehow, somewhere, America stopped being great. And America is still the world's largest economy by some distance. It has the world's largest military. It has more influence around the globe than any other single country does. You know, uh, the old expression, if, if, if America sneezes, the rest of the world catches a cold. And I think that that is still true. Um, it's still a powerhouse of, you know, technological innovation, um, the whole IT world, all the great companies, Google, Apple, etc., etc., are all American. So we have to ask, what does he mean about making America great again? And what constitutes greatness? Just being more powerful, being richer, being more selfish. I think we as Catholics would say that's not being great. Um, does greatness not perhaps come from your willingness to look to the rest of the world, to help the rest of the world where you can, to share resources, to, for example, um, accept uh, refugees and strangers, which is exactly the opposite of what Mr. Trump seems to be proposing. True, true that. And I think one can say the election of Trump is a clear sign of conflict between globalization and nationalism. I mean, uh, another example, for example, is the, the Great Britain exit from the European Union. And now we're hearing this um, hashtag Trump exit as well. And uh, how do you think this uh, will, uh, will affect global politics if this is how America is looking at? I mean, if this is how Trump is looking yeah. at? No, I think you're quite right. There is um, a resurgence in various parts of the world, especially in the first world or you know, the developed world, of uh, nationalisms and of a kind of isolation policy that uh, we must first look after ourselves and uh, not make ourselves vulnerable to the rest of the world. So, yeah, the, the British, by a narrow margin, uh, wanting to pull out of Europe, 
Um, and, and there are movements, I think, now gathering speed in France, uh, even in Germany, in, in, in the Netherlands, etc. Um, in those countries also starting to promote the idea of leaving the European Union. Um, where does it all end? I don't know. You know, these things can, can, can change quite quickly. Uh, if Mr. Trump's policies uh, on things like trade and the economy and his international relations, if they very soon start to harm the American economy and cost jobs, then you'll have to change, and you'll have to change very quickly. Because, you know, the, the U.S. presidential term, uh, we know, is only four years. And if by, you know, halfway through that, your policies are having serious negative effects, then the first thing that happens is that you lose control of either the Senate or the House of Representatives, because they have elections every two years between the presidential elections. So right now, Trump has got a Republican Senate and a Republican House of Representatives. So he knows he can force through his laws quite easily. But in two years' time, which is, you know, around the corner, um, if his policies and his laws are harming American interests and harming American jobs and so on, he might lose control of the Senate. The Democrats, in other words, might stage a kind of a comeback. So we just have to watch and see what he does. My biggest fear is that he doesn't really know what he needs to do. He has no real political experience. He comes from the world of business, tr property development, gambling casinos and things like that. He's a sharp operator, but he's never been tested at the level of policy and having to develop and implement um, you know, strong economic policies on a countrywide and an international basis. He's never had a, a day's experience of foreign policy. He's, he's, he's absolutely ignorant in those areas, and that, that's, that's very worrying. Are we likely to see America propagating regime change anywhere else in the world? I have my doubts about that because, again, with the isolationism that, that comes with Trump, um, one would expect that he's going to sort of turn his back on some of the existing uh, involvements of America, for example, in the Middle East, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, and, and, and various places like that. Um, I. You can't tell. The man is the man is a populist. The man is is likely to do whatever he thinks will, you know, gather him the most support and please the people most. Um, so it's not impossible that he might decide to start bombing somewhere. But I think it's more likely that he will have an attitude that says, well, you know, if a bunch of people somewhere on the other side of the world want to fight each other, then let them fight each other. I'm not interested. Um, so. Yeah, with regime change, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think that's going to be uh, on his agenda. And then finally, Mike, um, do you think that with the election of Donald Trump, America's relation with the Vatican will remain the same? I mean, looking at the point of view that Pope Francis has uh, more of a liberal agenda as opposed to Trump's conservative Republican agenda. It's very difficult to see how the relationship... Um, will not, you know, experience some, some, some uh, <laughs> what's the word, negative moment, shall we say. Uh, Pope Francis is perhaps the strongest voice in the whole world on the duty uh, that we have to migrants and refugees. And Donald Trump, on the other hand, is probably the strongest voice in the world at the moment saying, go home, we don't want you. So, so there must surely be some tension on that, uh, in that area. 
Another one is climate change, because Pope Francis has accepted the reality of climate change, and he uh, has, you know, in his encyclical letter, Laudato Si, he he very clearly shows that it is a great moral and ethical question of our time. Donald Trump says climate change is a Chinese hoax. So again, I can't see how the president and the pope would be able to see eye to eye on on that question. Um, But you know how popes operate. Popes don't necessarily go around criticizing world leaders. They they always seek dialogue and, and look for common ground, etc. So, you know, I would imagine that at some point Mr. Trump will schedule a visit to to uh, to Europe and, and uh, perhaps uh, swing by the Vatican and, and say hello and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll have a friendly chat. But I can't see that, that the two of them are going to, um, you know, hit it off as, as sort of soulmates in any way. Yeah, I guess one can clearly say that Donald Trump's election is certainly a defining moment in global history. I think you're right. I think um, it's, it's the biggest shock, certainly, in American politics, uh, I guess, probably since, you know, for, since the Second World War and for the last 50 years or, or whatever. Um, certainly the most dramatic moment since, um, since 9-11 um, in 2001. And I think people are going to remember in years to come that, you know, that old thing of where were you when, when Donald Trump was elected. Um, but I think that although a lot of people are worried about what he's going to do and what the effect will be, uh, it's unlikely to be as bad as we think it might be, simply because he will be constrained by the realities of being in power and, and having to actually run a country. And it's very easy for politicians anywhere in the world, we have them in our own country, to shout loud and to shout long about what they would do if they were in charge. But when they get to be in charge, then it's real. And it's not just a matter of standing up and making speeches. It's actually making things work. And that does tend to moderate, um, you know, to moderate them and, and bring them back down to reality. Let's hope so in this case anyway. And my thanks goes there once again to Mike Pothia, the research coordinator at the Southern African Catholic Bishops Conference Parliamentary Liaison Office, talking to us, of course, about Donald Trump's election, which many has termed it as a defining moment in global history. And that brings me up to time. This has been your Wednesday's edition of Catholic View. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back again tomorrow evening at the same time. Remember that Catholic View is a program presented and produced by Sheila Pirsch for Radio Veritas. God bless you and ciao, ciao.